Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Brad Miller. Brad Bowl collegiately at Lindenwood University. Brad, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Brad, well, you bowled four years at Lindenwood University, 2008 through 2012. Let's talk, though, what led to a Raytown, Missouri boy deciding to go cross-state and bowl for Lindenwood and go to college there, ultimately? Well, I probably didn't decide to go bowl for a college. I, I wasn't planning on leaving Kansas City until probably like middle of my senior year of high school. And for whatever reason, I thought it'd be cool. I was talking to a lot of my friends, and they were like, yeah, dude, you should go. And, <clears throat> and then so it was kind of deciding where, and I was looking up just colleges one day, and I saw that Lindenwood University had won before. They've won a national championship before, and they were pretty good. And um, and it was either, it was basically that Lindenwood, which was nice because it was in state. They were a good team. I had met Randy once before, um, and our personalities really kind of meshed or the other option was Wichita. And I grew up in Kansas city. So I bowled against a lot of Wichita players, um, being a youth in the Kansas city opens and some other youth tournaments in Kansas city. And, and I, I kind of, it wasn't a, it definitely wasn't a rivalry, but I've enjoyed beating them and I didn't do it very often. Um, and so I had this like more rivalry type thing against Wichita. And I thought it'd be cool to go to Lindenwood and try and beat Wichita instead of uh, go and compete with them. Cause that's kind of the mentality I had growing up competing against them individually. And so, uh, Given that, given the the nature of the Lindenwood team, they were a, you know, the Wichita's a very structured, um, you know, very just uh, by the book. Uh, they do a lot of great things. There's a lot of great information, but Lindenwood was kind of the opposite. It was kind of just, you know, everything's up and in the air. There's not a ton of rules. You can kind of do what you want. Uh, the people that were at the school at the time were partiers and and uh, and. I don't know. It just seemed more fun to go there. And so I went to Linwood and, uh, the, the, when I first got there, the team consisted of Dean Richards, the RJ clan was a good player. Uh, Ryan council, Colt Seberg. Uh, there's another really good one in there too, but anyway, our team was good. We were, it was a, it was an awesome experience. I'm glad I went I, My relationship with Randy was really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's kind of why I went to Lindenwood. Now, talk a little bit about you know Randy Lightfoot. I mean, he's a, a PBA national champion and a major champion. What kind of insight and, and uh, maybe technical skills or strategy stuff did you learn you know throughout your college career? Yeah, Randy. You know, Randy's the kind of guy that and he'll tell you. He said he'll, he'll tell you he learned more um, having a beer with Dick Weber in a bar than he ever did from an actual like physical game coach or, um, something like that. So his strategy was if you ever had a question or if you ever wanted just to talk bowling or, uh, whatever he, and you're old enough, you know, he'd, he'd like to 
sit down in his own bar in St. Charles Lanes and talk for two hours. You know, that was kind of his style of, of going about things. Or if you weren't old enough, you'd just sit there and, and you talk. That, that was kind of the way he learned. And so that was kind of the way he passed it off. It was a very casual style of learning. And, uh, and as far as like physically, you know, I wouldn't put Randy as the greatest physical game coach. It's just not the way his brain is wired, but what he does understand is he understands how to win. He understands what it's like to win at the highest level. He understands what it takes. Uh, he understands the mindset behind it. And so his favorite conversations were mental game stuff. And it wasn't so much like a mental game guru uh, kind of guy that's really good that writes books or anything. It was based off his own experiences. You know, when he won the Masters, he would he would tell you the things he did when he won the, won the Masters, and when other guys won, he, and just things that he saw personally on the PBA tour <clears throat> in a very casual setting was his style of coaching. And then when we were when we were at tournaments, he was a very very laid back guy, but he also didn't like to lose either. And so when we were kind of sucking it up, uh, he, he could get extremely serious on you, uh, very quickly. And it was, it was a great mix too, because the, the team thrived off the kind of relaxation, relaxed mindset, um, at times. But then when Randy got serious, it was like, okay, we got a job to do. We need to do it. And it, it was a great, it was, he, he was great in a lot of ways. Um, some people, didn't necessarily like the relaxed mindset. Some people thrive in a, in a place like Wichita is very structured. Um, and other people really thrive in that kind of environment. And it was a cool dynamic to see the guys who did and to see the guys who, uh, would have, would have liked some more structure. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a great place for me. I'm one of those guys that thrives, uh, in, in Randy's way. So why do you think that was Brad, that that was something that worked for you and some of the other players you mentioned and not for some some players that's not what they need you know at the time when i went to lindenwood i was <clears throat> i was kind of into having fun you know I, I wanted to bowl and i wanted to get better and i wasn't i wasn't gr- a great student i was okay you know i graduated and got a degree but that wasn't my reason for going to college my reason for going to college was bowling and so it in kind of the you know the the way he ran practices were uh 2 p.m all the players show up and, but he, he runs the bowling center. So a lot of the practices we had, it's not like he was there helping every single one of them. Sometimes he just fire up the lanes and the team would practice by themselves or we'd get a little bit of direction from Randy, but for the most part, we were kind of on our own. And honestly, for me, it, and not everybody saw it this way, but it, 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 the way I looked at it, it was an opportunity to become a leader. You know, it was like, the team needed kind of a leader and, and the team we had, especially my sophomore or especially my senior year, uh, we had a group of eight guys that really worked together, uh, that really listened to each other. We had spent so many hours at that point in the bowling center together, just working on each other's games, um, getting like getting to know each other's games. Um, you know, and some people, the, the mindset that I was in, and the mindset that the people that thrived at, at Lindenwood uh, were the were the people that liked to go out and do whatever they want. You know, if they wanted to go to a party, they can go to a party. If they wanted to throw a party, they could throw a party. If they wanted to miss class, they could miss class. You know, that was kind of their, their mindset was they just wanted to do what they want. And I think there's people out there that, that 
like to do that, but then they go to a super structured college to where you're, you're not allowed to have alcohol. You're not allowed to miss class. Um, it's very, very structured. And some people just don't, you know, I, some people just don't learn the best that way. Um, and I think I was one of those guys cause at the time I just wanted to have fun. You know, I wanted to have fun and I wanted to bowl. Um, and I did, you know, I had fun and I bowled all the time. And I, th- I think that was the same mindset that the people that thrived because they wanted to have fun. You know, that, that was kind of a, a big part of their college experience was, was to kind of be social and go out and have fun. Well, talk a little bit, your transition from college then into the, the PBA national tour and, and, you know, you've made some shows now and you've, you've had some successes recently, but what was it like kind of starting out, you know, in that 2012, 13, 14, 15 kind of era when you're going from that team bowling environment to then you're kind of all of a sudden, you know, out sort of on your own trying to compete against the world's best bowlers. What was, uh, you know, that early part of your PBA career like? And, and what did, what did that feel like trying to go from college to tour? Yeah. When I was, when I was in college, my last year, I, <clears throat> I bowled pretty good. And I thought, yeah, you know, I could, I could do this. I can go out there. You know, I'd look at scores on PBA.com and say, Oh, I can go 250 over for eight games. You know, I've done that before. And then I, I got out there. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> um, these guys are going 250 over, doing some crazy things. Stu Williams is going left gutter to right gutter. Um, you know, Sean Rash is piping it up 10. Belmo's hooking the entire lane. Nikki Koyunemi's going right up 10. Like, they're all doing completely different things, and they're all getting to the same number. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of a weird deal. Um, and I, I didn't have a whole lot of success. My first World Series, I, pretty, I, I took uh, – my first world series, I crossed with Tommy Jones and the lanes are on fire. It was at South point. They were hooking so much that I didn't know what to do. And I didn't bowl very good. So the next year is at South point again. So I took all week equipment and then the, the lanes are as tight as they could possibly be. And so yeah. that, you know, those, you know, rookie mistakes that you make that you just, you know, you got to make. Um, but at, at first it, it wasn't great. I, I did make two cuts. I think my first year, um, but other than that, it wasn't good. The second year wasn't great. I signed with Motive, and I was getting some help with, from them. And I was really kind of soul-searching. You know, I, I didn't know how to create the angles that those guys did. I didn't know how to play straight like Norm. I didn't know how to hook it like Stu. And, mm. and so I was constantly stuck in the middle and just trying to figure out my own way. And when I signed with Motive, I spent three years with Motive. <clears throat> and and that was that was a a great experience. I don't particularly think that the, the equipment matched up to my game uh, very well, but having the, the relationship with Spangler was awesome. Uh, he, he gave me a lot of help. He basically gave me unlimited balls to drill. And I think at some point in time, if you're going to become a really good player, you got to go through some bowling balls. And, um, and so for those three years, I really did go through a lot of, a lot of bowling balls, tried a lot of layouts. Um, and then I still wasn't having a ton of success. I was kind of getting close, but then I'd kind of just fall down the ladder the last 10 games or so. And, um, and so I decided to go free agent. That was kind of a tough decision to tell Brett that I wasn't resigning. And then for four months, it was the most important four months of my life uh, when it, in terms of bowling. I started January 1st, and then I signed with Storm in like April sometime. But for that four months... I drilled as many bowling balls as I possibly could. Brunswick sent me a few balls. Storm sent me some balls. Ebonite sent me some balls. Um, 
and then all the other balls I drilled were plugged. I was I was taking balls from Kyle. I was taking balls from all my friends. I'd find balls on racks and redrill it. I was drilling like old storm balls. Like I'd find an X Factor Deuce and drill that. And and at one point in time, my entire arsenal was was plug bowling balls. And what I realized in that time period was I, I realized what balls I like. I realized what an arsenal would look like for me, and I realized the difference between the companies. And I realized that Storm had really good equipment. <laughs> so uh, when they called, I couldn't really pass it up. And then when I signed with Storm, that's when it all started trending upward. I had a good, I had a good arsenal. I felt comfortable in any scenario because they had a ball for every scenario. Uh, the ball reps were helping me, and it, it was it was a, a much more positive experience once I signed with Storm. And then here we are. You know, I think last year, I was, uh, or this year, I was 18th on the PBA tour and points. And that was the most progress I've ever seen. Uh, so I, you know, I couldn't really be happier with my performance this year. So, yeah, let's, um, let's talk. What advice do you have for that? Let's go with two, two parter here advice for that high school player looking to find the college. That's a fit for them, which it sounds like you did in Lindenwood was that great fit for you. But then also that player who's just graduating college and wanting to try their hand on the PBA tour. Yeah, when you're when you're when you're looking at a college, the coach is a big deal. And and you know, when you're going from high school, you got your friendships and everything, but when you start to get older, you realize that your relationships with people, whether it's within your company or whether it's worldwide or, or whatever, your relationships with people is everything. And so when you're looking for when you're looking for a, a college, you need to meet the coach and he needs to be a guy that you like. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're getting ready to get into a scenario where the coach, where you're not too fond of the coach or you're not too fond of some things he's done, um, or he's tough to deal with or or whatever you think about the coach, you're not going to enjoy your experience as much. If you really want to thrive in the college bowling market, I think the most important thing you can do is pick a spot where you have a good relationship with a guy, with the coach. Um, because then everything's going to be a lot more productive. Everything's going to be, even, even if, you know, there's basically two people you deal with in college, the coach and the players. And, um, even if there's some players on the team that you don't necessarily get along with, or there's some drama or something like that, if there's a good coach and you have a good relationship with the coach, you'll be okay. And the, and the experience will be much more positive. Um, so I think the coach is everything and you need, you need to find a guy that you, you mesh well with some, some coaches are very strict. Some coaches aren't very strict and you need to kind of figure out what kind of personality you have and what kind of mentality you have about bowling and, and your life, I guess, in general. And and you need to, you need to get a guy that you can get along with because that, that really dictates whether it's a negative or a positive experience. Um, and, 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 and meet a lot of people, you know, it, even if you go to a college and you be a coach, and, you know, you don't necessarily mesh well with them. You still create that relationship, you know, that you, when you're going to colleges, that's, that's kind of the time you start creating relationships. And even if you don't pick that school, you know, you still uh, remember the guy and say hi to him when you see him bowling tournaments and, and you just meet people and then you find your guy and you go to that college. Mm-hmm. So the coach is everything. Um, <clears throat> The, as far as going into pro bowling, uh, that's another thing is relationships. Because you, when you go from college to, to pro, it's a whole other world. It's almost like 
people are playing angles you've never seen before. People are going 250, 250, 250, 250, throwing four different bowling balls. Like they're just doing crazy things you've never seen before. And so you need to learn how to do that. And, and for surrounding yourself around positive people, I think is the most important thing. Like when you go out, mm-hmm. get yourself around positive human beings. You know, if, if there's some other friends you have in college bowling are going out on tour as well, and you guys are familiar with college bowling and you're all going out on tour, just, just try your best to stay positive. Try your best to, to read mental game books. Just don't, don't let it become a negative experience because it's going to be very eye-opening. Um, and it, it just takes time. And the thing about when I went out on tour, and the tour right now is, I guess it's thriving, but it's also harder to make, get into tournaments because they're doing PTQs now. And But when I went out, we, were, we, had, we had a World Series of Bowling in the fall. We had the winter swing. We had the summer swing and then a couple of, like, major tournaments. So there wasn't a whole lot of tournaments, and there was a lot of time in between tournaments. So I'd go bowl a tournament, see what these guys are doing, and then I'd go home for two and a half months and I wouldn't make any progress. And so the, the way you make progress is you got to get out there. And even if you stink one tournament, even if you stink the whole year, you know, if you spend three to four to five years out there, you're going to be much better uh, than you were when you started. And sometimes it takes that long. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty long journey. The guys you're bowling against have it figured out. DJ Taggart has it figured out. And so it takes a while to learn. It takes a while to learn how to beat him. Um, so the, the, you know, make sure you stay positive and make sure you're patient. It's a, it's a long process. You're not going to go out there and and have a bunch of success and make a bunch of money in your first year. And if you do, then great, you know, it's definitely possible. But, uh, if it doesn't happen, you know, that the mentality you use toward that experience is what's going to dictate what happens in the future. If you stay positive and patient and you just continue to develop relationships, that's a good uh, precursor that there's going to be some success down the road. Um, if you go out there and it's not going well and you're negative and, you know, you're not making a lot of friends and that's a precursor of how it's going to go in a couple of years as well. So uh, just make sure that the mentality that you're, you have uh, is positive. The people that you're around is positive and you stay patient. I think those are the most important things. Well, that's some great advice right there. That's for sure. The, uh, the final question I've got, you know, we talk about relationships and, uh, you know, positivity, Kyle Sherman. I mean, you guys started this awesome uh, YouTube channel several years ago, um, but it's really taken off incredibly lately. Uh, but it sounds to me like you and Kyle were pretty good buddies, maybe even before, and then you ended up uh, leading the Roth Holman doubles. Um, and I got to assume that that, you know, that uh, communication and, and relationship that you guys have is part of the reason why you guys bowled so well together. Uh, being friends off the lanes as, as well as bowling together on the lanes. So why don't you just talk a little bit about your uh, your YouTube channel, how that came to be, and uh, maybe what kind of uh, sites you have uh, set for the future. Yeah, so we <clears> – Kyle <throat> was still in college when I was bowling on tour for the first three years. He's four years younger than I am, but he went to Linwood as well. And he was on the fence about traveling – I was living in St. Louis at the time, but he he was on the fence about doing the tour thing. He wasn't doing great college. And so I gave him a couple tips and I don't know if they helped or not, but by the time they got to, but by the time he got to uh, graduating, he was going to give it a shot. He wanted to do it. And at the time I didn't have anybody to travel with. And I was kind of traveling to all these regionals by myself. It was, it was a pretty lovely thing. And so I was just happy to have somebody to travel with, but 
when he graduated, I was living in Kansas City. So anytime we traveled east, I'd pick up him in St. Louis. Anytime we went west, which wasn't much, he'd come by Kansas City. And our buddy Mike Flanagan <clears throat> said, you know what you guys need to do? You guys need to just vlog yourself. There's guys out on YouTube, Casey Neistat and David Tobert. They're making videos about their life all the time. And he goes, I think you guys can hit a home run doing this. So I'm like, okay. And I, I had bought a camera previously. And so we had a camera. And the first the first vlog we did was Jonesboro, Arkansas. And we used our cell phone. And it was blurry. And it wasn't great. It took us 17 hours to edit on the way home. And, or it was six hours home. But the next day we finished it. And then the next week we um, we went to Lubbock, Texas and filmed there. That one was a 12-hour drive and a 12 hour edit and uh i don't know we were kind of off we were only getting like 50 and 60 views um but we but mike kept teaching us how to edit video and he really gave us a lot of his time we didn't know what the name of it. originally we wanted a name that didn't have our own names in it we wanted like a dynamic bowling or some like cool brand name but we couldn't think of one so we were just like eh, i'll just go brad and kyle you know and uh and then so at some point we were, we were vlogging and they were doing okay. I think we finally got to a thousand subscribers, which means you can monetize your channel, which was kind of a big thing for us. And then I was looking on YouTube one day and they used to have a bowling tab and you click on the bowling tab and see what, what videos pop up. And they were all really popular bowling videos and Belmo's dude, perfect videos there. And, and I realized that like four or five of the top 30 most viewed bowling videos had how to hook a bowling ball. And I called Kyle. I said, okay, I know what we need to do. Um, we need to make one video that says how to hook a bowling ball. It'll teach them how to hook a bowling ball at the most basic way. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into some instructional videos. We'll start doing instructional videos, not just vlogging, but we'll actually start teaching people kind of what we're learning. And to this day, that was the first instructional video we made, and, and it's uh, our best video today. It's got 1.5 million views, and it blows it blows every other video out of the water, and it's terrible quality. <laughs> but it was the very first instructional video we ever did, and it was, it was, and that's been the backbone of our channel. Like every every single day, that video gets 3,000 views every single day, and wow. and that has driven our YouTube channel. Like on the on the slow days, on the days we don't have content. Uh, we can always rely on people to see that video on a daily basis. And so we kind of realized like, okay, this is the home run instructional videos are where it's at. <laughs> and so we started filming a bunch more instructional videos and they started getting a lot more views. We were starting to get like 10,000 views and maybe 15,000 views on a video. And maybe one we get 20 and maybe one will get like 50 that really went off. And, uh, and so that, that was kind of our way of, getting an audience to watch our vlog because what we really cared about was the vlog. We, we cared about promoting the PBA. That was our big thing. We wanted to promote the PBA and we wanted to promote the players of the PBA. And, and we wanted to create a platform where players can, can be promoted. And, and so we got our audience from instructional videos. We got people to the channel from instructional videos and we released vlogs. People watched them. And then we did some ball reviews to try and get some audience that way. And, uh, this, this past world series, we were staying with Mike and Corey and Mike's like, you guys should vlog daily. You guys should put out a video every day. And at that time we were only putting out a week, 
a video per week about the tournament. We were bowling and we we're like, crap, you know, we don't know if we can do that, but we didn't start till noon. So we had all night to edit. And, and so we put a video out every day and every video put got 20,000. And we were like, wow. Oh, like now we're okay. Like now we got it. You know, for the, for the longest time, we just wanted our vlog to get 10,000 views. And for whatever reason, when we uploaded daily, you know, this, the traffic built up and we, and we got 20,000 views and that was the most growth we had ever seen. We, one day we gained like 700 subscribers and it was just, it was something we had never seen before. And that, at that point in time, we thought, okay, I think we got it. You know, we, we've, we've reached a, a good point to be proud of. And so, um, that's kind of our strategy moving forward when we're bowling these, uh, PBA tournaments is we're releasing a video every day. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we bowl bad and we don't want to do it, but, uh, but it's actually, we've gotten to the point where that's kind of the fun part of the day. Then we go and grind and bowl all these games. But when we go home, we get to look at our footage and it's, it's pretty basic. The editing's not crazy difficult. Um, but we've gotten pretty good at being able to release a video every day. And so that's, that's what we're going to do moving forward. We don't know. I kind of want to hire somebody like a, a film student that bowls in college that's graduating and give him kind of like an internship and he can come and hang out with us for the 10 weeks of the Fox tour and travel with us. And we can kind of introduce him to everyone in the industry and maybe he can get a couple other players, uh, social medias in their, in his pocket and kind of create a little bit of a business and he can make, he can get jumpstart on some videos for us. He can post on Instagram for us. He can do that for like maybe five or six other players. And maybe the PBA can acquire like a guy, you know, mm. a, a guy that can really promote his players for him. And so as far as this future, you know, I, I don't know, man, we, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways we can go, but we, so we came across this guy that we were doing instructional videos and, and this guy, his wife owns a YouTube channel with a half million subscribers, Sarah Beth yoga. And, uh, and we were paying him to kind of teach us how to run this kind of online business. And he said, you got to start a membership. So he had a couple of guys and we started a membership and we're promoting that now. And we've got some merch and, uh, and we've got a couple, couple streams of revenue and it all comes down to teaching people how to bowl. That's really kind of the money maker. You know, that we don't really make any money off the blog. We make money from people wanting to learn how to bowl. And so that was moving forward. That's kind of what we're going to promote is, uh, you know, how can we, how can we help the most amount of people? How can we, how can we be good at it? You know, how can they get their money's worth? How can we have the amount of time, especially when we're traveling on the road, you know, what, what best benefits people, uh, and how can we make the Brad and Kyle membership, you know, the, the place to go. And so right now that's kind of the plan is, uh, we're kind of putting up, pieces of the puzzle together in terms of, okay, how do we get a pretty good membership going? How do we sell some merchandise? How do we, you know, kind of create this business? And then for fun, we promote the PBA and hopefully we come across some guy that, you know, this kid is a big fan of bowling and maybe we come across a guy with some money and some opportunity comes across or, um, you know, I don't know. It's kind of gray and unknown, but I just know that if we just keep working hard, you know, if we just keep putting out videos and we keep promoting the PBA, something good's going to happen. I don't know what that is, but, um, you know, but if we already have the work ethic down, then, you know, when the opportunity arises, we're ready. So that's kind of what we're doing right now is just promoting our membership, just keep putting out vlogs to the PBA, and hopefully someday down the road something cool happens. Well, fascinating story there, all from Raytown, Missouri, to Lindenwood University, out to the PBA Tour, Brad Miller. 
Thank you for joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast. And by the way, if anyone, if they like what you just said there in your final answer, they know they can reach you on social media, you're on Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. Reach out to you guys and see if they can get something working. Sounds like a great opportunity for someone who's interested, maybe going to school, like you said, for marketing. Maybe they want to get into that social media field and, and they can come out with you guys and learn the ropes and, and, um, and be something that'll be a benefit for everyone involved. But Brad, again, Thank you for being here, and um, and all the best of luck moving forward and some great insight today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys.